Welcome to Overlooked. My name is Yemi, and I'll be your host for the show. Released weekly, I share Overlooked stories from around the world with you. This will include the good, the bad, the weird, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation, wherever you get your podcasts. If you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please don't hesitate to share them. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode. So 2020 has been what I would call an interesting year. I think while staying responsibly informed, it is actually great for mental and emotional health to also consume relatively happy or wholesome news. Personally, I have watched more comedy in 2020 than I have ever before. So that being said, this episode is dedicated to purely wholesome or optimistic news content. So let's start this week's episode with a fun fact, because I found this one really intriguing. In Germany... Mexico and Australia, did you know that it is not illegal to try and escape from prison? Yep. All these countries recognize that the desire to escape from captivity is human nature. So inmates who successfully escape or at least try to escape will not be punished for it. So unlike most countries, if they get caught, they won't get additional time and they will only just be sent back to prison to finish their original sentence. But those roses come with thorns. And there are some caveats. These caveats are specifically for Germany because that's what I could find. So if a prisoner tries to escape, they will not get punished. However, if they commit extra crimes while in the process of trying to escape, they can be prosecuted for those crimes. If they get help, those people who help can be prosecuted as well. And after getting caught, these prisoners are more likely to be sent to a more secure spot than they had before. I thought that was really interesting. I just had to share. Okay, let's kick off our wholesome episode with the Comedy Wildlife Photography Award. The annual Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards highlights the funniest photos of animals that are taken in the wild. Sharp-eyed photographers from around the world capture moments where animals seem to be experiencing very human emotions or dilemmas. The competition is now in its sixth year. In addition to making people laugh, the founders, Tom Sulem and Paul Joyson Hicks, started the contest to raise awareness about wildlife conservation. They hope that the pictures encourage people to shop responsibly, be mindful of their water use, and speak out about environmental issues. They work together with the Born Free Foundation, an international wildlife charity. So I looked through this year's finalists, and my personal favorite is one where a kingfisher bird is photographed sitting on a sign like royalty, like it's just sitting there looking very regal. And the sign it's sitting on says, no fishing. And the best part of this picture, not only is it sitting on the sign, but it has a fish in its mouth. It almost appears to be mocking the person who erected the sign like, I did what I did, come at me, bro. These pictures are just memes waiting to happen. I have provided links to the finalists, but you can also Google the Comedy Wildlife Photography and it is sure to brighten your day. The Sudanese government has made formal arrangements to separate religion from state. This will bring an end to decades of Islamic rule in Sudan. Sudan's Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdok and Abdel Aziz Al-Hilu, a leader of the Sudan's People Liberation Movement, a northern rebel group, 
signed a declaration on September the 3rd in the Ethiopian capital of Addis Ababa that adopts the principle of secularism. The document states that for Sudan to become a democratic country where the rights of all citizens are enshrined, the constitution should be based on the principle of separation of religion and state, in the absence of which the right to self-determination must be respected. In the accord, it is expressed that Sudan is a multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-religious, and multicultural society. Full recognition and accommodation of these diversities must then be affirmed. This declaration ends the strict Islamic law that began in the country in 1989 and comes the same week that transitional governments began a peace deal with rebel forces, a development that has raised hopes for an end to the fighting in the Sudanese capital of Khartoum and elsewhere. So, why do I think this is good news? There are two main reasons, and I'll explain my opinion, so hear me out. I'm a Christian. And some people say it's a taboo to talk about religion, but for me, it's not a big deal to talk about it. Talking about my faith comes as natural to me as talking about the weather. So my first key reason is this. I do believe that people should be allowed the free will to choose their faith compass. I do not think it should be imposed at all. Free will and freedom to choose is a wonderful thing. If someone decides to follow a certain faith system, It should be because they choose to and not because it is imposed or forced upon them. The second reason I think so is this. A mix of religion and state gives way for rampant misuse of power. In the long run, it often ends up misconstruing the fundamentals of the religion that it claims to follow. We've seen this time and time again in history. Religion, and when I say religion, I'm not just referring to the major world religions has been used as an excuse for oppression over time. So at the end of the day, folks need to study, listen, analyze, and then, with free will, decide for themselves what religion, if any, that they want to follow. So that being said, and I do hope you agree with my rationale, congratulations, Sudan. Since 1985, the Korber Foundation in Hamburg has been awarding prestigious prizes to scientists whose work has applied futuristic principles to physical sciences. With that in mind, this year the Korber Prize for European Science 2020 was awarded to a Hungarian researcher called Boton Druska, whose revolutionary gene editing treatment could cure a type of blindness that affects around 4,000 children. He has discovered a possible cure for retinitis pigmentosa, a group of rare genetic disorders that causes mutation in the genes that code for proteins needed to make human photoreceptors, the cells which identify light and allow us to see. Unlike other forms of visual degenerations that correlate with age, retinitis pigmentosa often starts in childhood, is rare, and can lead to blindness. Rushka's work involves reprogramming the retina cells into the photoreceptors, thereby taking over the damaged cells and restoring light and color to blind retinas. The medical scientists have said that for the time being, the process creates a level of vision that is similar to watching a television in black and white. Clinical tests on blind volunteers have already started. Considering the people around the world who suffer from blindness, and particularly from this form of blindness, It is hard to understate the potential impact of this gene-based treatment. On a related note, I would like to highlight the work of Dr. Sanduk Ryut in Nepal, who has made it his mission to help the blind see no matter how poor they are. He developed a method for treating cataracts 
inexpensively and effectively. And as of earlier this year, his work has helped over 100,000 patients, including those in marginalized local and rural areas of Nepal. In Branson, Missouri, an old days in hotel, which has been vacant for eight years, has found new life, and it is being turned into affordable housing apartments. And they're really good looking too. The project is called Plato's Cave. It combines hotel rooms to create studio and one-bedroom apartments, with rent starting at $495 U.S. dollars, designated to target renters who might be struggling to afford an apartment in the area, but aren't necessarily in the lowest income tier. Typically, those making between 60% and 120% of the area median income. Plato's Cave is a project by Reps Blink. As large commercial spaces become more and more available, Ruben, the founder of Reps Blink, argues that some of the buildings could find second life as housing. Though hotels are obviously easier and cheaper than other commercial spaces to repurpose into housing. And the best part is these affordable apartments are not barren or slum-like. It comes with freshly painted walls, including utilities, rich assortment of amenities, including a gym, a basketball court, on-site laundry, smart TVs, laminated wood, and air conditioning. Zimbabwe has now banned mining in all its national parks, reversing a decision to let Chinese firms explore for coal at its famous Huangge Game Park. The rules came after environmental lawyers from the Zimbabwe Environmental Lawyers Association took the government to court to prevent ecological degradation of the parks. Two firms had initially been given a license to explore for coal in Huangi, Zimbabwe's biggest national park. The park is home to more than 40,000 elephants and numerous other species, including the endangered black rhino. Following a cabinet meeting on Tuesday, the information minister announced the ban on mining with immediate effect. The minister also announced a ban on mining along most riverbeds, in a decision that would affect small-scale Chinese and local gold miners. China is a major investor in Zimbabwe and a close ally with the government. The Chinese firms had planned to mine in the park in a joint venture with the state-owned Zimbabwe Mining Development Corporation. Environmentalists raised concerns that coal mining in the park would devastate wildlife and negatively affect tourism, which is also a major source of income for Zimbabwe. In our final story this week, we talk about the Social Progress Index. The Social Progress Index offers a rich framework for measuring the multiple dimensions of social progress. The 2020 Social Progress Index aggregates 50 social and environmental outcome indicators from 163 countries. According to the 2020 results, the world is improving overall on social progress, though it is slow and uneven. The index is an average across scores from three broad dimensions, basic human need, foundations of well-being, and opportunity. The index based exclusively on indicators of social and economic outcomes offers a revealing picture on the levels of development in different countries that is independent of traditional economic measures. So, since 2011, the population-weighted world average score has improved by 3.61 points. Since 2011, 155 countries, or 95% of those measured, have improved by one point or more. Three countries have declined. 
Of the 155 countries that improved, 69 countries, or 42%, improved by five or more points. Since 2011, the world has improved most when it comes to access to information and communication, access to advanced education, shelter, water, and sanitation. That will be where we end the episode this week, with some perspective. Change comes step by step, with sure but steady progress. Even as the world seems crazy on a daily basis, as a whole, this leaves us with some hope that we are improving as a planet. Well, I hope you enjoyed this focus on uplifting stories. Have yourselves a great week. for listening friends as a reminder the podcast is released weekly subscribe or follow across social media to be notified when a new episode is released overlooked is a tunuka media production which also includes shows like africa in my kitchen with more on the way follow tunuka media on instagram youtube facebook and twitter to connect to say hi or to be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules until next time i'm your host yemi Wishing you a better tomorrow.